But today we're going to uh, we're going to think about giving. I don't know if you remember uh, some years ago they came out with these state quarters. Um, they have one for every state. This is the Tennessee quarter. It's pretty cool. And uh, uh, some people collected all 50 states. I know they used to have these boards you could put them in and things like that. But I did hear that they had to recall the Alabama quarter. Tennessee plays Alabama this week. And uh, they had to recall the Alabama quarter. It seems they kept get hung, getting hung in the vending machine. It was something to do with the two dimes and a nickel and the duct tape around it that messed it up. And, and uh, so, um, but anyway, you know, today's world, you, you wouldn't even hardly stop to pick up a quarter. I mean, it's not very much value. But, you know, the truth is we have more money, more wealth in our country than ever before in the history of the world. And yet many people have a hard time with this idea of giving. Especially many people have a hard time with giving to the church. But it is something that the Bible calls us to. And today we're continuing our series, The Basics of the Faith. And we're going to talk about this idea of giving and why we should give and what kind of attitude we should have when we do give. And so the question I raise today is, why should I give generously to the Lord? And the simple answer to that is because Jesus said to give generously to his work. Now, I know some people, maybe you're visiting today or maybe you've just been coming for a little while and you say, yeah, that's all the church cares about is your money. And that's not true. In fact, most churches I know care more about people, way more than they do about money. But they also care about what the Bible says. And we're called as churches to preach the whole counsel of God, and God certainly has a lot to say about giving finances. We don't talk a lot about that here at Central Christian Church. Maybe one sermon a year we'll spend on preaching on giving, and we do take an offering up at each of our 9 o'clock and our 11 o'clock worship services. We have boxes up front and in the back where you can drop your offering. We don't pass a plate so everybody can see that you're giving or whatever we give you the discretion to go to that box whenever you want to and put the funds in there. But the Bible does speak to this idea of giving. I heard about a school teacher, a Sunday school teacher. She was, uh, uh, at, they had missionaries that day, as we have had today. And the teacher asked the Sunday school class, said, how many of you, if you had a million dollars, would give it to the missionaries? And all the little kids raised their hand. And then she said, what if you had $10,000? How many would give to the missionaries and little kids raise their hand? What if you had $1,000? How many would give? What if you had $10? How many would give? And they all raised their hand. Finally, she said, what if you had a dollar? And one little kid was over in the corner and stuck his hands in his pocket. And she said, Johnny, wouldn't you give a dollar if you had it? He said, teacher, I have a dollar. You know, he, he's not willing to give that dollar. We're kind of like that, aren't we? We say, well, if I win the lottery, I'd give a big check to the church. But what about the money that we do have? What do we do with that? And Jesus has given some teaching on money. In fact, Jesus had more to say about money than he had to say about prayer. So prayer uh, is important, but giving is important and talked about in the Bible. I want us to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 today. 
Second Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 6 through 11. But I want to set this up for you because in the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16, the Apostle Paul mentions to the church there at Corinth, he says, we're, we're going to take up an offering for the church at Jerusalem. They were going through some hard times, probably a famine, and Paul wanted to send a collective offering from many different churches. And in fact, we're told in 1 Corinthians 16 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that there were churches in Macedonia that participated in this offering, churches in Galatia. So there were a lot of churches giving to this offering. And he says to the people in Corinth, we're going to come and get your funds, and I'm going to send Titus over there, and he's going to pick the money up and deliver it to the church in Jerusalem. But in chapter 9, Paul then begins to give some basic teaching on giving. So we're going to look beginning at verse 6. And if you turn there in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I want us to draw from that some biblical principles for giving to the Lord. Now I want you to think about these principles for just a minute before we jump in here. And we're going to draw from this some things that will probably help you come to grips with this idea of giving and giving to the Lord's work. And hopefully you'll have a greater understanding of why the Lord asks us to give to His church. And here's the first principle. The more you give, the greater the return. It's an ancient proverb. It's the age-old idea of uh, the agricultural principle of planting seed. If you plant a little bit of seed, you're going to reap a little bit of harvest. If you plant a lot of seed, you're going to reap a greater harvest. And so it's the old proverb of sowing and reaping. There are other places in the scripture where it's talked about. Proverbs eleven twenty four: One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I like the passage over in Galatians chapter 6. It says, God, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Put out a little bit of seed, you get a little bit. Put out a lot of seed, you get a lot. He goes on to say, whoever sows to please the flesh, that is myself, will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, that is God, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So if we sow generously, we are going to reap generously. It's the first principle. The more you give, the greater the return. Second principle. Decide how much you will give and then do it. Now in the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, the people of God were told to give a tithe to the Lord. That is 10%. You don't have to do a lot of math to do that. 10% is what 
God told his people he wanted them to give. They were to live on 90% of what they were given, and they gave 10% back to the Lord. Now, we're not under the law of Moses anymore. We are a New Testament church and New Testament believing people. But Jesus supported the idea of the tithe. In fact, in Luke eleven forty two, he said, Woe to you Pharisees, because you give a tenth of your mint, rue, and other kinds of garden herbs. They were careful. They wanted to tithe on everything, even their spice garden. Can you imagine how much a little tenth of what they got out of the spice garden would be? But they were careful to do that. But he said, he said, you neglect justice and love for God. You should have practiced the latter, that is the justice and love, without leaving the former undone, the tithing part. So Jesus supports this idea of the tithe. That should be the starting point for what we give. 10% of what comes in goes back to the church, to the Lord, to his work. It's, it's simple math. should be the starting point. Now, you can give more. Jesus actually praised a woman who uh, was poor, and she put in all that she had in the offering. Though it was just two coins, it was all she had to live on for a certain period of time. And she gave it freely, and Jesus praised her. So it's a simple thing. You do the math, and you give. Maybe you give once a year. You give a tenth of your income. You give once a month, or you give weekly, however you want to do it. And I know some of you will say, well, I just can't afford it. Uh, the math just doesn't work out. I pay all the bills, and then you've got to have faith. You've got to trust the Lord. Maybe you write down what a tenth would be, and you start your budget with that. And then you work out the rest of your budget. It's what we do here at the church. We give a tenth to mission work. And then we live on the rest of what we have coming in. And so we have to adjust things. Now, if you just don't have enough faith to do that, maybe you start with 5% and you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test the Lord. Because in Malachi, I almost forgot about this. In Malachi chapter 3, listen. God was rebuking Israel because they were not giving the tithe. Listen to verse 6. Malachi chapter 3. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. This is God talking. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that is, to the temple, that there may be food in my house. God says this, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be enough room even to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is right, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You see, God says to test him in this tithe. So put him to the test. If you don't have enough faith to give the tithe, give 5%. And then say, okay, in three months I'm going to go up 1%, and 
and then another three months I'm going to go up 1% and watch God begin to bless what you give and to bless what comes in and what you're able to retain. Here's the third principle. God blesses the cheerful giver. Notice verse 7, he said, Not, don't give reluctantly, that is, don't doubt him, and don't feel forced. Do not uh, give under compulsion, like God is pressuring you to give. We should give cheerfully and joyfully. You know, until you test him in the tithe, you'll never understand this cheerful part. But once you start to give, and you see God begin to bless your life, and bless your income, and bless what you have, you will begin to see God at work and how cheerful it is and joyful it is to have God working alongside you in your finance. You know, Jesus even said it is more blessed to give than receive. We have to take him at his word, and we have to trust him. You know, we live in a culture today where many people are just obsessed with wealth. And many people are obsessed with even looking wealthy. And they want to do everything they can to, to try to present themselves as somebody who's wealthy. And many people are obsessed with stuff. I heard about this guy that just loved gold, and he loved the color gold and yellow. And, and he got this big inheritance, and he redid his whole bedroom. He painted the walls yellow. He got yellow carpet. He got a yellow chair yellow curtains, yellow bedspread, yellow sheets, yellow pillowcases. He even got yellow pajamas. And one day he got sick. Of all things, he got yellow jaundice. And he's laying up in the bed, and his wife called the doctor that made house calls, and the doctor came out. She sent him up to the room. He went up, and he was there for a long time. He came back down. She says, well, Doc, how is he? The doc said, I don't know. I couldn't find him. You know, some people get absorbed in the wealth, and we could be like that. We have to learn to adjust our lives and to, and to come to the Lord and put Him first and say, God, I'm going to give to you. God never promised you're going to be rich. You won't hear that from this pulpit. Oh, just give to the Lord, and you're going to be wealthy. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says you will have all that you need, though. It's right here in verse 7, uh, ha having, having all that you need, you, you will abound in every good work. That's a promise from God. And so we should, we should think about this giving and how we give. Listen, God loves it when you give cheerfully. Jesus gave a teaching on this one time in Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 38. Listen to what Jesus said. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with this measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, you've got to get the picture of this because we, we don't understand what he's saying here. Back in those days, and this is similar to Haiti, you, you didn't have refrigeration at home. You didn't have too much storage space. So you would go to the market couple of times a week and get your wares that you needed and especially if this is talking about wheat and the, the vendor there that was selling the wheat had a scoop or a cup or something and he would uh, he would scoop it up 
and you, if you're a woman, you would pull your cloak up, and he would dump that into your lap, and you would pay him, and you would carry that home. Okay? But what this is saying, God as the vendor, he's going to give you a good measure. He's going to scoop it up, and then he's going to shake it, and he's going to press it down, and then he's going to put more in there, and he's going to put more until it starts running over. And this says when you give, with the measure you use to give, that's how God's going to measure back to you. And he's going to be more generous than you were. So we need to keep that in mind, that our attitude toward giving to others is going to be God's attitude toward giving to us. Now let's look at the rest of this passage. Verse 10, Now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply an increase to your store seed, will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here's the fourth principle. Giving generously changes me. Listen to the changes God says he'll make. He'll increase your store of seed. He will enlarge your harvest. He, you will be enriched in every way. I want you to think about some ways that you'll be changed, the way God will change. Number one, it will build your faith. You see, as you work to give, you'll see God work in your finances and in your life. Now, you have to be good stewards of this. That means you probably have to set a budget. You have to think about how you're going to plan out what you give. But God can work in the midst of that to make things happen that you never dreamed of. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were um, uh, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they went to the Promised Land. But listen to what Deuteronomy 29.5 says. During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did your sandals on your feet. You understand how God can work in your life? He can cause things to last longer than normal. Maybe the tires on your car get more miles than they're supposed to get. Maybe your car lasts longer. Maybe you actually pay it off and you don't have a car payment for a while because it lasts so well. Now, again, you have to be good stewards of what God gives you. But God can work amongst things. He said, we read a while ago, he could stop pests from devouring your crops. He can stop pests from bothering you in all kinds of ways so that your finances are not used for pesky little things. And so it's going to build your faith. Remember this, Jesus fed 5,000 people with just two fish and five loaves of bread. God can stretch things in your life if you let him work and you trust him and you're a good steward. Do that and watch God bless your finances. Secondly, it connect we, connects me with others in ministry. You know, when, when you give to the church, you're giving to something more than just an offering. You're giving to a ministry. And this ministry here at Bristol, we support many missions. We have a missions committee. As I said earlier, we give 10%. We have 22 different missions that we help support. So when you give, 
your finances, 10% of what you give goes to help those missions. Ten of those are on foreign soil. They're in Europe, Asia, Africa, and South America. Twelve of those missions are local and regional around the area that help uh, minister to some of the less fortunate people uh, in our immediate regions here. But you're connected with those ministries, and you're helping enable those missionaries to get the word of Jesus out and the hope of Jesus. And we know here at Central, don't we? Hope changes everything. And so we partner with other ministries. Thirdly, it involves me in something bigger than myself. I want you to understand how big and powerful God is. He could do all this by himself. He created the world after all. But he has chosen to work with you, to partner with you so that you can give to his work and you become a partner with him in doing what he's doing all around Bristol and even in lands far beyond what we can imagine. Now, I heard about this guy that was moving to this little small town and he found this old run-down farm. You can see the picture is pretty run down. And he began to work and he began to clean it up. And before long, he had this farm thriving. And look at what it looked like after he got through. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. And one day the preacher was riding along and he looked at this farm and he said, Wow! He said, You and the Lord have really done a great work here on this farm. And the man said, Yeah, you should have seen it when he had it by himself. That's the wrong attitude, though. The man should have said, yes, God blessed me by leading me to what he wanted me to do. And together we partnered and we made this a beautiful farm. And God wants to partner with you through your giving to help make many things beautiful for his glory. And God can work in ways you have never dreamed possible through the giving that you give to his church. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You don't know what God's got in mind. He can do amazing things. We just heard of amazing things happening in Hayden because of the giving that goes on from our church and many other churches that helps support Hayden. And we are partners with them in that work. But here's our connection today. Giving generously draws me closer to the Lord and what he is doing all around the world. And God has called us to give. And he's called us to give generously. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Y'all know I love to talk about Garrison Keeler and his Lake Wabagon stories, and he tells a story about a gentleman, Clarence Bunsen, and Clarence was sitting in the, in the uh, Lutheran church there in Lake Wabagon one Sunday. He had had a rough week. He had almost had a heart attack, and his health was not good, and he was tired, and, and the sermon was running on a little too long, maybe like today, and, and uh, Clarence had kind of checked out, you know, and he realized it was almost, the sermon was almost over, and it'd be time for the offering. And he reached for his wallet to put some money. 
He was going to put it in an envelope, and he wanted to make sure that the deacon saw that Clarence Bunsen had given $30 to the offering. He felt obligated to give. And, and so, but when he pulled his wallet out, there was no money. And so he reached for his checkbook, and he tried to hide it in his Bible, you know, and write a check, but the lady down the pew kept staring at him, and he tried to hide it so she couldn't see, but he went to rip that check out, and he was real distracted. And Anybody ever tried to rip a check out without anybody hearing it in church? Everybody hears it, okay? So if you think you're hiding that, everybody hears it. Just go ahead and rip it out. We don't care. Uh, but he ripped it out, and the offering plate came by, and he went to drop it in, and as he dropped it, he thought, oh, no, I added one too many zeros in both places. And instead of $30, he gave $300, which was almost all the money he had in his checking account. And he thought, well, I guess I could run down and see the deacons and tell them it's been a terrible mistake. I need to switch the check out. That would be embarrassing. And then he thought, I guess I'll just have to eat beans and oatmeal all week. And, uh, and maybe that's a possibility. At any rate, Garrison Keeler says, of Clarence Bunsen, Clarence felt fully alive for the first time all week. You know, giving and giving generously will make you feel alive. You think about it, you're partnering with the God of the universe to do his ministry on earth. And the more you sow, the more that will be reaped in the harvest of God. God loves a cheerful giver. Let's be that way, church. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your ministry here at Bristol Central and the other churches in the area. And I would, it would be my prayer today, Lord, that you help us to be a giving people, a generous people, that we give not out of what we have, but out of the abundance of our faith. Because we trust you and we believe that you can work in our lives and that you can work in our finances and that we work to be good stewards so that we can give generously for your work and for your glory. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, I pray today. Amen.